This is With You in the Weeds. Do you ever find yourself stuck in between what you know to be true and what you actually experience? Or the difference between where you are and where you want to be? Well, if so, you're in the weeds. And like weeds, those tough places keep coming back. I'm Lynn Rausch. And I'm John Tennant. As counselors, Lynn and I deal with those weeds all the time. Together, we designed this podcast because we want to be with you in those weeds, kind of like God desires to be with us. Hmm. Now, that idea will change everything. So we hope you'll listen in and let us be with you in the weeds. Let's get started. Hey, welcome back. This is our fourth episode of With You in the Weeds. I'm John Tennant, one of the hosts We're in a series about how we're going to manage our emotions. Today, we're talking about depression, and everyone has experienced it at some level in their lives. Uh, We're going to start out by talking about the roots of it, specifically, like, what in the heck is depression? And then we'll uh, kind of address three principles of depression that will let you know a whole lot more about it than you did before. But one thing I will throw out there that was encouraging to me as I was doing some research on this is oftentimes it's part of creativity. So as early as the 4th century B.C., Aristotle commented that, quote, those who have become eminent in philosophy, politics, poetry, and the arts have all had tendencies toward melancholia. That was their word back then for depression. So as a group, uh, Uh, depressed people may be more on the creative gifted side than the general populace. So I think that's encouraging. That's a, that's a great quote. I'm I'm glad that that's there. And the other thing I, I hear the word poetry that just strikes me as Shay. Shay, you're a poet, right? I I am, but but I've been trying to cut back on (laughs) trying to cut back too much. Yeah. I'm writing too much. And so I I need to take the easy. (laughs) Do you have a piece you could throw out there real Uh, quick? I I do not, but he's he's trying to cut back, John. I'm trying to cut back at this point. Yeah. It's become an idol in my life really. And, uh, and replace God. But uh, no, seriously, John, I'm so glad we're talking about this topic because it's something that, you know, as a pastor, I've seen a lot over the years and people I've worked with at our church. Um, I've always had questions in my own mind about, you know, are people just sad? Are they just experiencing grief? And uh, when does that turn into depression all the way to when do people need professional help. I think people are all along this spectrum, and um, I've always had questions about it. And and depression, I've read, affects almost 25% of our population. So um, people aren't alone in this. Uh, Yet knowing that, that many people struggle with depression, have to deal with depression, that that really doesn't bring a lot of comfort, does it? And and it makes people wonder, um, is there any hope? And and, you know, this podcast, hopefully we're going to help people see that there is. Um, if God tells us that he loves us and he cares for us, he's never going to leave us. He's never going to f- forsake us. Um, then we know that he cares for us during these times in our lives. And so there, there is hope at the end of the day. Yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, I also want to be on record. I'm pro poetry. I know through a little, <laughs> little dig at Shay there. Um, but again, on a more serious note, in my experience, you know, working over the years with people, especially college students, I've seen a lot of people just have more and more questions about their struggle with depression specifically. And Shay, you said it, 
they're trying to figure out if they're depressed and to what degree. And it seems to me, as I've thought about it, whether they know it or, or not, many are just, they're struggling to articulate their experience and p- kind of compare it with something else. Um, and what I've found is it's it's been helpful for a lot of people to explain uh, and hear what depression is and what it might look like. And, and when that happens, there are more categories and nuance for them to help manage their depression. It's kind of like going from black and white to a lot of different colors. So I'm really excited and I hope everybody listening would maybe be able to find themselves where they might be on that spectrum and put words to it. Yeah, this is a really good jumping off point uh, to go into basically looking at what depression is. People need a handle. They need something, I think, that's simple but not simplistic, something that is elemental that they can get their hands on to think through, am I depressed and what are the roots of it? And the most helpful thing I've come across over the years is looking at depression as some form of loss. Hmm. Now, if you want to go back biblically, we were never designed to lose things. We were never designed for death, never designed to experience loss or the absence of something that we need. So now on this side of the fall, you know, when we live in a context of a broken world, we're experiencing all kinds of loss, Um, loss of life in all kinds of forms. It could be just the life that comes from being with family members. Maybe they're not around anymore. Um, Doesn't have to be the loss of uh, life in the form of the death of a loved one. It can be anything that brings you a sense of liveliness and sparkle. You've lost it. Loss of happiness, loss of a dream, um, loss of being able to make your own choices. You get older, loss of health, all sorts of loss. Um, So that's really the way I've come to understand the roots of depression. Of course, unless it's biological and chemical, which we'll get into later. But if it's not that, usually it's being cut off from something that really means a lot to you. Um, And it's not the same thing as sadness. I think that's an important distinction to make. Mm. Uh, Depression feels like a a condensation or a compression of emotion. Your system shuts down. It becomes compacted. It's almost like you're a cement block just Mm. sitting there. If you ask a depressed person, hey, is that glass half empty or half full? Depressed person is going to say, I don't even see a glass. So it really shuts your system down. Uh, Sadness is very different. Sadness is an emotion that has movement to it. It moves you through the loss. And it's a very intentional activity to grieve that loss. Mm -hmm. You can delay grieving it because you don't want to experience the sadness of it. But the dilemma is now you have the feeling or lack of feeling from depression. Mm -hmm. So people can get really stuck between those two things. I don't want to be sad because that's painful, but that's the only thing that moves you through letting go and it moves you forward. But then on the same or the other side of the coin, they're saying, I don't want to feel depressed. So they get stuck in that dilemma. Shay, do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I I like that illustration of the the concrete block or uh, another way to maybe think of it, another metaphor when we describe someone's depressed, it's it's almost like they're dead, but they're walking uh, might way, be a good metaphor they're to use. Dead. Yeah, you, you just feel emotionally empty. Uh, you, you feel like you have nothing to give to others or uh, conversely, maybe you're you're just 
when you're depressed, you feel cranky and you're irritable um, all the time with those around you. And then that further strains relationships, right? Either either you, you have nothing to give to someone that frustrates them or you're cranky and irritable with them. And, and um, it uh, it harms relationships. And uh, in, in many ways, and I think, John, you touched on this, in, in many ways, it's a normal response to living in a fallen world. Um, like you're in touch with reality. You're, you're in touch with reality. That's right. And, and here's some specific examples. You you gave some, John. I thought of some as well, but just getting older. You, you know, maybe um, you're getting to a stage in life where you can no longer do some of the things you used to do. Uh, aging, you know, th- what comes with that, you no longer look like you did when you were 25 years old. Okay, let's, let's just face it. Uh, maybe it's 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 some sort of personal failure. It's a business failure, or you've made some bad moves in the stock market and it's gone down, and you just you feel depressed. Or um, perhaps you're you're cut off from community. Um, you know, I, I went through this a little bit. I had some really good friends of mine that that a couple friends that moved away, took different jobs in different cities, and you just you just feel the loss of that because you 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 lose that connection with people. Maybe you go through a trial or a health issue, um, and, and then there's always such things as as chronic pain that can leave us feeling depressed. Or maybe you're it's being stuck in a dead-end job or early forced retirement and, and you feel like in some sense you're no longer useful to people or to society. You, you no longer make a difference. Or maybe people see through you instead of seeing you like they used to. And um, guys, what I, what I want you to understand is nowhere in the Bible, though, do we see people being criticized for being depressed? That's a great, yeah. It, you that's, don't, that's right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. The Bible, in some sense, gives it a pass. Uh-huh. Uh, you don't see people being rebuked for it. Now, that said, there are spiritual causes uh, for it, and and we're going to talk about that. But but the, a biblical perspective helps us on depression, it helps us to work through it. It doesn't just leave us there. The Bible, at the end of the day, gives us hope. But but people aren't condemned for being depressed. Well, in fact, most of the Psalms are Psalms of lament. Absolutely. The majority of them are, how long, O Lord, and darkness is my only friend. Yeah, so you're you're going to get into that. Yeah, yeah but so that the, just Bible, re- the Bible's recognizing that. That just yeah. really strikes me. I mean, it wouldn't be great if you go into a worship service. And you hear, darkness is my only friend. <laughs> I mean, you just don't hear them really celebrated, no. but they're there. Right. Yeah. And, and, and unfortunately, the church and Christians have sometimes, right, mishandled this. And I, I don't want to be one of these guys that beats up on the church all the time. We need to do a podcast on the good things that the church does, right? But We've all, you know, heard stories of where a pastor or another Christian says to us, right, well, just suck it up. Uh, life is hard, and then you die. I think, get, get over it. You've got to add buttercup to that. <laughs> suck it up, buttercup. Suck it up, yeah. buttercup. Uh, or we kind of, um, sometimes in some Christian circles, we have this, what I call cheer-up theology. Uh, you know, you're a Christian, right? You have the joy of the Holy Spirit, don't you? So why are you depressed? Or... um or maybe something else we'll say to, to people is, well, you don't know the hard life I've had. You you should have seen it back in the old days. You know, I had to walk up mm. hill, you know, to school both ways in the snow. And, and so just get over it. Get over it. No socks on. Yeah, um, exactly. But 
But, you know, you guys mentioned the Psalms. Look, look at Psalm 88. It's a Psalm I go to often when, when dealing with depression. Look at Isaiah 53, right? We, we see the idea of a suffering servant and Jesus suffered and identifies with us in our suffering. Or uh, another one of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 42 and 43, mm. where we see someone going through dark times in their life and God seems very distant. And, and nowhere in that psalm is the psalmist criticized for being depressed, but he's commended what for how he handles it and how he works mm. his way through it mm. in his relationship with God. We're going to look yeah. at that in, in a coming episode. See, uh, we're often guilty of what I like to call spiritual bypassing. Um, mm. We want to skip over people's hurt. We want to take a Bible verse and, and just kind of put a Band-Aid on it, partly because we just don't know what to do with people when they're going through depression, and and we want to find a quick fix uh, to help them because we do care. We just don't know how. You, you know, that word spiritual bypassing, I just immediately, I thought of lots of times and ways when I've done that myself, uh, well-intentioned, but a lot of it was because I didn't know what to do with that person's depression or sadness, and so I'm trying to like bypass it. Like um, you don't want it to be a part of your world. Right. So you want to get rid of it in the other person. Right. And you know, that that makes me think of a, a story. I heard a, a, one of my professors and a pastor from a while ago, he told us this story. It's kind of sad, actually. You know, he and his wife um, years ago, they lost an infant son um, soon after he was born. And clearly that's extremely sad and tragic. And understandably, he was depressed. And so, you know, a few days later, they were at the funeral and there's this older, sweet woman going through the line and, and well-meaning, I'm sure. She came up to him, gave him a hug and looked him in the eye and, and quoted Romans 8.28, which said, for those who love God, all things work together for good. And, and then she moved on. Now, I want to say, like, that's a true verse, but the timing of that was really unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And he shared, the, the pastor shared that when he heard that verse, he was, he was angry. Because whether that woman knew it or not, she totally bypassed his grief and his sadness. And so I tell that story because I think it really does illustrate, you know, that concept, Shay, that you mentioned of spiritual bypassing. You know, that pastor, he, he wasn't wrong for feeling depressed and sad. That's a normal response in this world when you lose an infant son. Good goodness. But unfortunately, that well-meaning woman, she didn't allow that. She wanted to bypass that grief and pain and sadness and depression by throwing a Bible verse at it. Austin, that, that's an interesting story, and it reminds me of reading about the late, great Francis Schaeffer, who um, was counseling a guy who had lost his son. Hmm. And he closed the door of his office, and the guy was in there by himself. And he was outside in the waiting room, and somebody was listening to what was happening behind the closed door, and the father was cussing, yelling, screaming, and the person listening, sitting with Francis Schaefer, asked him, is that even, like, should you step in there? Is that even appropriate? And he said, that man is doing really good work right now. Mm. Yeah, Because it is, like, legitimate to mm-hmm. cry out to God and just to bypass it or push it away with a Bible verse is actually diminishing our humanity. Right. Yeah. Just look at Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, mm-hmm. why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. So there you have freedom to be human. And 
that's being incredibly spiritual at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really good, John. So you've, you've busted out Aristotle and Frank, Frankie Schaefer, right? Or Francis Schaefer. Frankie. <laughs> not Frankie. Yeah, not Frankie. Francis Frankie Schaefer. was the angry young uh, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you're bringing your A game to this. Well, I, hey, I, I you know what? I, I don't know. I feel like a B minus most of the no, time. So great. thanks. I'll yeah. take that. I, I run on that stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, listen, we just stuff. talked about what depression is. Let's identify three principles to help you understand it a little more deeply. And I think knowing these will help you understand some of the roots. Number one, it could be rooted in the past, maybe something that happened relatively recently. Um, Or let's say it goes all the way back to your childhood. Uh, We inherit wounds. We have things that uh, predispose us genetically. There are all sorts of things and things that we don't fully yet understand. Uh, But we do know that whatever happens to us, starting around three weeks of age, all mostly the negative things stick like super glue mm-hmm. in our right brains and those things continue to inform us even when we're 55 60 70 everything that we've ever experienced is right in the present moment so maybe it's something in the past or yeah. let's say the past 6 months um trials hardships suffering that has happened that you haven't really processed so it could be rooted in the past yeah yeah, and so if you're listening to this, maybe you're trying to think about, okay, where might my depression show up? One, it might be in the past, but it also, you know, might show up in the present. You know, maybe you are a little more withdrawn. You have slower reactions. You've got foggy thinking. You know, it seems like life is being lived at 0.25 speed. Um, might show up presently with loss of interests or joy. Uh, maybe you feel just so controlled by external circumstances that it's just pointless to try and change anything. Maybe you've lost your freedom or you feel trapped. You know, there's there's a lower sex drive. Maybe you're pulling away from relationships. Um, maybe you feel a little restless or conversely totally shut down. Uh, you don't have any motivation. You don't want to exercise. You've got a change in your appetite. Maybe you're eating more or eating less. Um, you're, you're crying more. You're more emotional than normal or you're less emotional than normal. And, you know, as we wrap it up, maybe your sleep has been changed. So there's a lot of things there. It's a big spectrum. But the thing that they all have in common is they might be showing up in the present. And then lastly, and, and John, I know you're going to share more. It also can show up in the future. You want to share more about what you mean by that? Uh, you've just mentioned it. I don't think there's a lot to say here other than everything you've just mentioned begins to close in on you. Mm. And you can't see that the future will be any different. Mm. you begin to lose hope. And it's like water behind a dam. Ipso facto, it Mm. just keeps building up. And you start to think, will I ever get back to a place of normality? Like, I don't even know what I'm feeling right now. Mm. And so you project that out onto the future and it just leads to further hopelessness. So guys, all of that makes sense to me, uh, especially those principles that you laid out. It's rooted in my past, shows up in the present, and can uh, uh, affect my future. But I'm wondering, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners are too, at, at what point is depression not normal? Mm. Um, at, at what point do we say, okay, this is something more than the normal response to loss or grief? Um, when might 
we need to seek help or even seek professional help for that matter? That's such a great question. That's the one that I've I've heard from most people that I work with. Um, And I want to say there's so much to say about that. So it's not like we're going to give this an exhaustive treatment. But I'm going to say just a couple things that I have found really helpful kind of to start to help you get an idea of what this might be. And the first one is counselors and clinicians, they have sort of three buckets that they evaluate people's symptoms from. And the three buckets are frequency of symptoms, severity of symptoms, and persistence of symptoms. And so frequency, you know, how often are these symptoms occurring? The stuff in your present, is this once a year? Are we talking once a month? Are we once a day? So ask yourself, what's the frequency of them? The second bucket is severity. How severe are they? So with these depressive symptoms, are you crying once every couple of weeks uncontrollably, or is this a daily occurrence for, let's say, 30 minutes a day? So how severe are they? And then lastly, that persistence bucket. How long are these symptoms lasting? Are are you feeling unmotivated for maybe one to two hours a week or four to five straight days? So again, maybe those buckets uh, can help you locate and maybe kind of scale your depression. And if you feel like it's out of the norm or it's just totally inhibiting your life, it might be time to get some more professional help. So the second thing that comes to mind, and this comes from the DSM, which is, you know, the agreed upon book for diagnosing more serious mental issues. Okay. It's, it's not the Bible. (laughs) I want to say that up front, but it is put together by a lot of really sharp and smart people who have a lot of experience. Well, they identify patterns. Totally. Exactly yeah. right. And there's just a quick quote here from, from the DSM, what they say constitutes a, a major depressive episode or major depression. They say, for at least two weeks, the patient feels depressed or cannot enjoy life and has problems with eating and sleeping, guilt feelings, low energy, trouble concentrating, and thoughts about death. Yeah. And- we're talking about major depressive disorder right. when you describe that. Right. Uh, you can have what's called dysthymia, which is fancy word for watered down mm. major depression. Yeah. So you're still functioning. It's kind of like the walking dead. You're still able to do stuff, but you feel this stuff, but it's a little muted. Mm-hmm. It's not like to the point where you're shutting down. Yeah. But you mentioned death. Yeah. Um, we have to mention suicide in this, which is the extreme end of the spectrum. Um, and I think what I'd like to say about suicide is people will talk a lot and frequently about, man, life is so hard. I just wish I could jump on the train out of here. Mm-hmm. Um, the Bible's filled with this. You know, you've got Moses, you've got Job, you have Jonah, You have Jeremiah, and in some form or another, those four characters are saying, you know, it really would have been better had I never been born. Um, The psalmist, oh, that I had the wings of a dove and could fly away and be at rest. I mean, this life is hard. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you accept that, it becomes a little easier uh, to deal with. But it's really normal to have thoughts of, golly, how much longer do I have to live with this? So. That kind of thing is not what I would characterize as suicidal. Suicidal ideation is a little bit different. And here are the key things to look for. Hmm. You look for, have you tried this in the past? 
have you tried to commit suicide mm-hmm. in the past at any point? So previous attempt. Previous attempts. Um, do you have a noose in your closet? In other words, do you have the means to do it? Uh, do you have a firearm? Do you have a stockpile of medicines? Do you have the ability to do it if you want to do it? And do you have a plan to do it? Like, have you thought about, gee, I think I would do it on a Sunday mm-hmm. so I wouldn't have to show up to work on a Monday? Or I would do it, you know, in my car, right, in the garage or by myself out in the countryside. Have you thought about a narrative? Have you nurtured a narrative about what this might look like? So if you qualify for all of these, um, then you need to take this really seriously. Or if you know someone who does, uh, it's time to get immediate help for them. Um, Call 911. If you're sitting with someone like this, say, look, I don't feel comfortable leaving you by yourself. Um, Call their medical doctor. Report it to their medical doctor. Um, Just don't leave them by themselves. You can call the National Suicide Hotline. Sit with them while they talk to a trained suicide counselor. Mm -hmm. Um, If you know someone on that serious end of the spectrum. Um, And if you truly know someone who is suicidal in your opinion, you do need to take it seriously. Um, But again, you might be looking at someone who's not suicidal. They're just, well, almost what I would call biblical suicidal ideation, Mm -hmm. which is the characters I just mentioned to Mm -hmm. you, you know, the prophets, like, oh, Lord, I don't know if I can go on. I should never have been born. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just the pain Mm -hmm. and the crushing burden of life and You just need someone to know that you're in that much pain. Um, So if you're around somebody like that, take some pressure off of yourself. Of course, take it seriously if they mention death. And what I like to do with clients is I'll say, okay, you just mentioned the checking out of life thing. Mm -hmm. You just mentioned the word death. And when you mention that with me, I'm going to take it seriously. Are you serious? Yeah. Do you have a plan? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. and most of the time when they tell you, they just want someone to hear them. Yeah. They just want someone to know this is how much pain I'm in Yeah, that I just don't know how to go on. Yeah. So I think just to make sure I'm getting this right, the, the couple things that distinguish suicide. One is everybody has thoughts from time to time, which is fine. But then the second thing is if you have a means to do it. And third, you've got a particular specific plan. That's when it's time to get help. Right. And then the other thing, if I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I might know someone, uh, I think what you're saying is take the pressure off yourself in the sense of you cannot and should not be responsible for that person's well-being. You're not. But you are responsible maybe to get some help. So call 911. Call the National Suicide Hotline and just be with them. And as I hear you say that, uh, at least that takes hopefully a little bit of pressure off myself. And then the last thing I want to say, and then I know uh, we can keep going. It's never a problem to ask about it. You're not going to make someone more suicidal by asking them. So when in doubt, like you said, with people in the room, address it and just ask. Yeah, I want to throw in that the reason not to panic about this and to free yourself of being responsible for someone's life Mm. is it's very often the case that people get wrapped up in, okay, what should I do? I don't want this person to harm themselves. And it's up to me. Well, now you're not thinking about the person. Mm. You're just thinking about Mm. your own negative emotions and how uncomfortable you are. So 
people can go to rehab and commit suicide in rehab. There is no guarantee. Right. People can check out of rehab feeling great and they go to a hotel room and, and they, they right. kill themselves. Right. As therapists, we don't have a way to right. guarantee this. Yeah. So take the pressure off of yourself and engage the person. Yeah. How do we engage with your pain? John Austin, this is so helpful. Uh, and it's such an important topic. I'm glad that you guys walked us through this. And so let me just kind of summarize just to make sure that uh, our listeners get this right. What, what we're saying is, is that there's normal depression and then there's more severe or clinical depression, as, as you guys call it. Um, and the ways to think about depression, if it might be more severe, is, first of all, frequency. Secondly, the severity of it, and then third, the the persistence of it. And, and it sounds like, according to that uh, demonic DSM book, <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just playing with you. Uh, it, it sounds like anything lasting for longer, is this right, two weeks straight, might be a sign that it's time to get some more professional help. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. You were paying you were you were paying attention, Shay. So good job. Think about medication. Feel a little bit better so your brain can process things. Mm-hmm. Serotonin levels are more normal, and you'll still experience trouble, but it'll be trouble that you can navigate. Yeah. Whereas if your brain's really out of whack and there's something chemical, you can't navigate it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I get it. Uh, I, I want to do this. I, I thought I would maybe wrap up this episode by just sharing a, a story that um, uh, I, I read about uh, a, pa- a pastor in, in this case. It could be anyone, but I think that kind of captures what we've been talking about today. And um, it's so relevant for the church right now. But um, th- there was a, a, a young guy went to seminary. He comes on staff at a church and He's been being mentored by an older pastor, which is common. And uh, but but the younger guy, he he's struggling with deep depression, and, and so he he brings this issue, um, which is hard to admit, right? Especially when you're in ministry. And so he brings this issue to the older pastor, and the the older pastor, in some sense, maybe just not knowing how to deal with it, just kind of dismisses him. He blows him off, mm-hmm. throws a couple of verses at him. You just need to kind of suck it up. Um, in this particular instance, even kind of made fun of him and, and basically just told him that, you know, you need to read your Bible and, and hope this goes away. And it, and it really did a lot of damage to this younger pastor who, who was dealing with this and, and it ended up, he ended up leaving the ministry and, um, even I, I think walking away from the faith because he had been so hurt because someone just didn't know how to enter into his story and re- kind of refused to listen and and to to help this guy where he he was at and so this is such a, an important topic mm. um <clears throat> and you know that example that that's a pastor dealing with a younger pastor but it it happens a lot within our society uh that is one of the reasons why I am so glad that we have a counseling ministry at our church with trained counselors that can help people understand depression and help people navigate the the roots of it and even just be there to walk um, and be present with people as they're as they're struggling with depression. That makes me sad yeah. because that story can be repeated over and over and over and over again. Um, on our next episode, we're going to talk about how we can manage 
the weeds of our depression, what it's going to look like physically, biologically, all that stuff, chemically, socially. So we hope you join us for our next episode. And that was great, Austin and Shay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for being here, guys. I'm glad we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah, such an important topic. Great yeah. to deal with this. Hey, thanks for giving us your valuable time and allowing us to be with you in the weeds of your life. We want this resource to bring you hope and help bridge the gap between where you are and where you want to be. You can find our email on our podcast page. We'd be interested to know what you'd like to hear more of. Until next time, remember, God is with you in the weeds.